Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. Joshua chapter 24. This is a verse we've been going to each week in this series. We're going to continue to go to. And some people wonder, why do you read those two verses every week that we do this? Uh, Because this is what we have to do. We have to continually make this choice. We have to continually make this decision. I, I, I feel like that the Spirit of God that we see, and I think it's good theology, that we see God give us a free will. I think it's good theology. And, and, and I believe that when we make decisions and choices with that free will, I don't think he ever takes that free will away. I don't, I don't see that. I can't find that in Scripture. So people can look at things and say, well, once you make the decision to do this thing, then that's locked in forever. Now, I, I, just, I see a free will in Scripture from start to finish, and so we make the decision. So uh, that's why we're reading this. And so we're understanding every day that we make this decision to follow him and as for our house, do what the Scripture says. So Joshua 24, verse 14, when you got it, say amen. All right, squeeze to the turkey comb and back a brother up this morning. I need your help. So uh, verse 14, it says this. It says, Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Look at your name and say, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Exclamation point. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Again, he's showing that, that choice. He's given them direction of what they should do. I, I think I see that pastoral life. I, I give direction according to Scripture. Here's what you should do. But kind of goes back to what are you going to choose? What are you going to do with what's being said? So that's what we see here. And uh, he tells them this. And then he makes a declaration for himself. Joshua says this. He says, but as for me and my house, say this with me, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, say it with me, we will serve the Lord. Make that declaration. Let's talk to him one more time. God, thank you for what you're doing in this church and our lives. Thank you, Lord, for all the blessings that continue to flow from you. And every good and perfect gift comes from above. And we're thankful for those things today. And uh, we're thankful for homes that are being flipped, lives that are being changed, hearts that are being drawn to you. Do it again today, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Just uh, anyone who's here today that doesn't know you, who hears my voice, Lord, whether on the road or maybe even months down the road on a podcast, Spirit of God, go to them, draw to them, pull them in today, and let them make the decision to choose for themselves to follow and serve you, Lord. I'm thankful for that. Give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're talking about flipping our house. We're talking about walking from just being a, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Put me in the category. I'm in percentage. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm throw me there until going way past that level, going into a deeper place in God, making the decision to have a Christ-centered home. And that, that starts with us personally having a Christ-centered life. And um, we've been looking at, uh, through this process, kind of what it takes to flip a house. If you've ever done that in the natural uh, I know we have some construction folks that are part of our church and people who do things like that. That's not a one-day thing. 
You don't just go in there one day and that house is flipped over. It takes, a, it takes time. It's a process. So one of the things I've just tried to do through this series is just pull back and, and just take our time and dig into the things that we need to do. And so um, we've been just kind of processing things. We've been talking directly to some, some folks in this series. We're going to continue to st- uh, talk specifically to some other folks in this series. And uh, I've been kind of talking to the men the last couple of weeks. And that message has spoken to all of us because it's Bible. So again, man, male, female, whatever this speaks to us is Bible principles. So we do this. But um, last week we talked about alignment and uh, how uh, we had the board up and we got to have God as a top, most center, most focused thing in our life. And we come up underneath him. And anytime we come out from among him, either left or to the right, we're missing it. We're no longer in the alignment. So the blessings that come down from the father, we can get out of line from those things. And uh, then we find ourselves out here to the left or right in a place and in, in, in a time and encountering things that were never a part of his plan. Never a part of his plan. Some of the things that we go through are purely our decision and our choice because we may have chose to serve the God of our fathers and uh, regardless of what that may be. So again, sometimes when well, the devil's on me or he's doing this or that, sometimes you just got out of line. Okay, all right, sometimes just get out of line. So uh, we, that just happens in our lives. So we do this. We say, God, put me back in place. And so we get in line with what he has for us. And so um, we, we were doing something uh, last week, and uh, one of our services, uh, I think second service, so one of the services, uh, I, the men had asked to come down and to stand in the gap and pray for families, and it was a beautiful thing. Both services, these men responded, and thank you guys for doing that. Um, and, and something was happening during one of the, the, the altar calls that was being, uh, being given, and um, the worship team was singing uh, Break Every Chain. And uh, they were singing that Break Every Chain, and then one of the lines in that song talks about this army that's rising up. And, uh, and it was just, I don't know, something began to leap in my heart as I looked out and I saw men uh, standing in and, and praying and, and coming forward and willing to step in for their families and do this. And, and they were singing about this army rising up. And it was just, I don't know, just, it just started just messing with me. Uh, I was going to kind of move into directly speaking to just ladies this, this morning, uh, again, to everybody, regardless who you are. But as that began to happen last week, I've been unable to get away from a story in Scripture. Um, I don't ever recall in my years of ministry preaching this passage of Scripture that I'm going to preach today. I read it many times, heard it preached, uh, but some of the things God has shown me in this passage, I believe today is for us. And I was going to go another direction this week, but uh, again, been unable to get away from this passage this week. So I want you to do this. I want you to take your Bibles, if you would, and go to the book of Judges. Go to the book of Judges, chapter 7, and um, as you go there, uh, just literally, you just keep turning your page to the right. You'll get there. It's the very next book in your Bible. The very next book in your Bible, in case you were wondering. I was just helping y'all out. I'm that kind. I believe this. I don't believe that you have to be a statistic. I don't believe you have to be one of the statistics. Men are doing this. This household is doing this. I don't believe that. I, I, I do see that a lot of what's happening in our society, and I believe that where we're at, I believe it is because of a fatherless society and because men haven't been in place and done the things that they should do, but I don't believe it has to stay that way. And so we're seeing this and in, 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 in begin to change in our church, and I believe if it starts here with us and men rise up here and ladies get in place and we do the things that God asks us to do, we're going to see this affect our city and our nation. So this today is going to be kind of speaking to the army. 
And uh, in the army, this is not just today, just men. Armies are not just made up of men. Uh, they, uh, we're living in a time now where there's ladies on the front lines, and there, there are young people who are, who are just, I mean, fresh out of high school who enlist and become a part of something. So I want us all today to see today that, that God will speak directly to our hearts as this army comes together and rises up that we were singing about last week. And so this passage today and this story today, again, is one I haven't ever preached from that I know of. I don't remember. But God spoke to me through this. And so uh, it's in, again, Judges chapter 7. And I'm going to read some verses today. So just we'll pick up in verse 1. And uh, we'll read, read through a few verses. And um, just look at kind of day of kind of what I feel like God wants us to know. Uh, it says this. It says, Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod, that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now, this is an interesting story. Uh, there's, you're going to see like 32,000 men together and this great army that's here. And, um, and, and, and it's kind of interesting what happens here. This story is interesting because you start seeing God begin to take this great number and narrow it down to just a smaller portion of 300 men. And so uh, some of the things that he does in our life, um, some of the things that may get removed from our life, sometimes those things happen just so you know this, that it can only happen and be explained by God showing up. All right, by no other means, no other ways. And so verse 3 says this. He says, Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. Man, that, that'll mess with your ego, man. You, you start off with this great, mighty army of 32,000, and you say one thing, and man, 22, bolt, hit the door running, man. So it leaves you with 10. And so uh, uh, it just uh, the st- scale starts happening. Then he says this. He says, but the Lord said to Gideon, the person, the people are still too many. Bring them down in the water, and I will test them for you there. There it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whoever, whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink, and the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. 10,000, only 300 men drink this way. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, By 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. Now, 
In this passage, uh, in this story, again, we're seeing this thing begin to develop, this army that God's putting together that he's going to use. And so in the story, there's a few things that just kind of stood out heavy to me, and we're going to read a little bit more of it in a moment. But the first thing that I feel like that heavy on my heart that we have to do as men, or if you've been placed in the, as the spiritual leader of the home, and uh, it's a single home or whatever, and, and I, whatever it is, this is for us and what we need to do. Young people, this is what you need to do. The first thing you have to do is this. You have to stay alert. All right? You have to be on alert. And um, I, again, I've read this story. I, I spoke to Pastor Chris about that this week, and we were talking about it. And neither one of us have ever really understood why that kind of significance was there. I've, I've read that story, and, and I always wondered why it was such a big deal. Why was it so important how they drunk? Um, I, I kind of think, does God really care about how we drink something? I mean, seriously, think about it for just a moment. Does he really care about how we drink something? I, I uh, for the first time in my life, and I'm 45 years of old, uh, of age, and I know I don't look nothing like that, um, you know, uh, um, but 45 years, I had my first experience the other evening with a cup of hot tea. Now, is anybody, are you hot tea drinkers in, in, in here? It's okay. All right, that's okay. All right. I, 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 I didn't know if you were supposed to do this. We've, I've, I've seen it, I heard it discussed or whatever, so I did it. Uh, when I drank my hot tea for the first time, uh, I said, do I have to drink it with my pinky out? And I didn't know if that was a requirement or, you know, one of those things that, that you have to do when you do that. And, and Adam fixed me this beautiful glass. I mean, it's, well, it's great. I enjoyed it. I'm going to have more hot tea. I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to try to drink maybe less coffee, more hot tea or whatever. But it was some kind of herbal something supposed to be good for me. And it had honey in it, and that makes everything better. And so uh, it was it was the same. So I took it, and I was drinking it, and I had my pinky out, and I thought maybe this is how I'm supposed to do it. I got to thinking, does God really care about how we drink something? Now, does, that, does, it, does it that he is like, when I want, I want some men to drink, I, don't, I want men to drink with their hand. Maybe that's how you're supposed to do it. I don't think that's it. And so I was asking, God, what is it? He kept taking me back to this. And so I began to think about this story and why this is so important and why this is such a big deal, how they drunk. Because if they did this, if they got down and they drunk like the dog and they got their head down and they lapped with their tongue, they were dismissed. But if they got in a position and they left and they drunk with their hand, they qualified. And I said, why is that such a big deal? Because I believe this is why this is so important. Because never in any moment when they were drinking did they take their eyes off of the enemy. Never at any moment when they got down and they, they, they was drunk, there was a part of this army, did they do this? Did they turn their head down? And I believe God began to speak to me heavy about some things, that this is so important for us as men, that we don't get consumed with ourselves. Now, this is huge because this is what we as men will want to do. This is how it works for just our human nature and our flesh desires. This is what we want to do. These guys were thirsty. They got brought to this big river, and they could go, and they can enjoy this nice, cool water. And you've got to imagine what they had to do, all this stuff going on, the craziness. They see this water, and then they run down. They get in the water, and they take their eyes off of everything else, and they get consumed with them. 
as men, this is what we're going to need to do. We've got to come to the place where we're continually on alert and we're continually looking out for those things around us. And that means we have to do this. We have to quit being consumed with ourselves. And as men and as people who are leading our homes, that means we do this. Our priority and what we want is not us. Thank you. Now, just think, and I've seen this, I've watched this happen. Thankfully, God's raised up a mighty army here, and we're seeing this. But this is what we have to do. As a nation, and as men, and as, as people who lead, as believers, we have to come to this place to where we don't do this. We don't come to the river, we don't come to the place of what we want, and we take our eyes off of everything else, and we get consumed with us. And we're living in this right now. We're living in this entitlement society. We're living in this entitlement society and, and we believe that everybody owes us something and, and we always believe this, that we deserve more than what we have and, and it's about us and this is what it takes or whatever. Listen, if you're going to flip your home, this is what you must do first. You had to look in your home and look at whoever's supposed to be a part of your family that you're supposed to be caring for. Whoever it is that's up underneath you in that household and you must do this. You must take your eyes off yourself and put your eyes on them. Now, this is how this works. Again, we've talked about order. Our first eyes are to him, and we look to Jesus, and we're always looking into him. But we have to do this. That means we do this. That means we place their priority above ours. We place our needs uh, below their needs. We place what they want. So this is for us today. If your husband's not doing that, ladies, start praying that they'll start grabbing hold of this word. If they're not here, download the podcast, put them while they're asleep, just put the headphones in their ears. Just put the earbuds in them and just start letting this word get into them because this is so important. Start letting this rise up. If you're in a dating relationship, ladies, if all he is consumed about is himself and has no, no concern for your needs, right now. Well, Pastor, that means, I don't know if I'll get anybody. Listen, I'm telling you right now. Cut it off. Cut it off. Now, if you're already married and you're still in that thing, go to your knees, start praying. That's <laughs> what you got to do. But, but you, you, you're in a different level. You're in a different place. But I'm trying to help us. And so what we have to do is this. We have to find someone who is, who is again, not concerned about themselves more than they're concerned about the needs of others. So that means we do this. That means we spend different. Means we spend different. Um, I, uh, I, I think it's one of those things that uh, chivalry is is dead in America, and uh, and we need to come back to this. And we got all these guys who who want to, you know, they see something they want, and and this is what happens a lot of times. They go buy what they want while people in their household are lacking. That's just I've just seen it. I've watched it, and I. This is just something that's happened, and again, it's because of this entitlement mindset. It's because we run to the river, and we put our head in it, and we start lapping it up, and start like a dog. Everything becomes about us, and we miss out on those around us. And so he's trying to teach us something here. He's saying to be alert. He's saying be watchful, be mindful. Place those who are in your care, they're part of an army. Place the ones that you are there to protect and watch over needs above yourself. Now, again, he's showing this in here. These guys still drunk. That's okay. That's good. They still got their need met. They reached their hand down in the water. They reached it up and put it to their mouth. They got still what they need, but they didn't forget about everybody else around them to be consumed with themselves. So this is huge. That's what we got to do. So we got to be alert, be mindful. We, we talked about this verse 
a couple of weeks ago that it says that in verse, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, New American Standard, I didn't give it to you, you ain't got to look it up, but he said this, he said, be on alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men and be strong. He's saying this is men, to act like men, be strong in the faith. He's saying be alert. And uh, this, uh, this word here literally means that you're being vigilant and you're, you're being mindful. It's a military metaphor, and it was derived and shown and put in place for us to see that we're stationed like, like sentinels who are on guard of a camp. And, uh, and it is our desire to be able to watch out for those who are in our care. Barnes Notes, which is one of the uh, commentaries I love to read, Barnes Notes said this about that verse. And this is so, so powerful. He said this. He says that they were to watch lest their souls should be ruined and their salvation endangered. Lest the enemies of the truth and of holiness should steal silently upon them and surprise them. They were to watch with the same vigilance that is required of a sentinel who guards a camp. Lest any enemy should suddenly come upon them and surprise the camp when the army was locked in sleep. Men, you know what we have to do? We have to be mindful. We have to look out and be on alert and watch out for those that are around us. And, and some of the guys, man, that we, we get this mindset, well, I'm not geared that way, and I don't think that way. I can't just sit around and watch something like that. I can't, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm not, no, listen, you are geared that way. You are geared that way. We sit in front of the TV and we watch football for hours. We're geared that way. If it ain't football, we, we do this. I, I personally do this. I don't watch much football, but I love being in a tree. Talk about it often. I love it. I love getting in a tree, and I can watch for hours, and I just can just sit there and look and watch for you geared that way. There's some men that diligently do this. They sit and they watch a computer screen, and they watch pornography for hours. You're geared that way. What you must do is this. You must come to the place to where what we watch and what we're on the lookout for is no longer about our desire. And it's about our passion. It's about what I want. But if you're put in a position as a man or a spiritual leader of as a home, you're put in that position in that place to be watchful and to place someone else's needs above your needs. That's a good word. So be mindful of those things. Be watchful of those things. Look out for those things. Be on alert. And so you must do this. You must get involved in the people in your household's life. You must get involved in their life. How do you do that, Pastor? What do I do? You're telling me to do this. What should I just stay up at night and hold my nine millimeter? Should I, should I grab my AR? What should I do? Now, this is what you should do. You should get involved in their life. So that first of all, it means this, that you're there. You're there. Man, I'm Preaching better than y'all acting. Uh, you're there. You, you, you show up. You, you go do the thing that you need to do, but then you show up. You go home. You get in that place. You, you're mindful. You're alert. Then you do this. Then you go and you spend time. Well, I don't even know how to do that. I feel uncomfortable doing it. Well, get uncomfortable. Do it. Just sit down and do this. Just talk to your friends. Talk to your family. Talk to the people that God's put underneath your care. Do that. Be mindful of those things. Ask questions about their life. Just ask questions about their life. Man, how are you doing? How's your day? What, what's up, man? How can I pray for you? Whatever it is, just be there. Be on alert. Get involved in their life. You have to do this. And, and, and quit making excuses and saying stuff and, 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 and pulling back and just saying, man, well, just boys are going to be boys. They're going to do whatever they're going to do. And, and then, you know, they'll come back around later on. Listen, boys will be boys. Mentality means that they're still boys when they're grown. 
So we have to come to the place where we do this. Again, we're alert, we're mindful. My needs are no longer placed in priority. First of all, God's in my life, and then I'm going to place those who are underneath my care. I'm going to be mindful and look out for those. That's who I'm going to be mindful of. And so we see this. And then we see in this verse, in verse 16 of Judges 7, we're going to pick up there, we see the story continue to unfold. He gets this great army of only 300 men. And then this is what happens. This is so cool. He says in verse 16, he says, Then he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet into every man's hand. Listen to this. He puts a trumpet in every man's hand with an empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. That's, that's a different mindset. That, that light is held inside. It's being covered so it's not seen in that certain moment. And in verse 17, it says, He said to them, Look at me and do likewise. Watch. And when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, uh, then you also blow trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the 300 men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. Just as they had posted the watch, they blew the trumpets, broke the pitchers and th- that were in their hands, and then the three companies blew the trumpets. This is so cool. Verse 20, Brother preachers, they held the torches in their left hand and the trumpet in their right hands for blowing, and they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And verse 21 says, And every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried out and fled. Now, this is, this is a trip, what's happening here. In this story, again, this mighty army of only 300 men, again, he's not putting them in this position and in this place and placing this big sword in their hand. That's what, again, that's how we fight armies. That's how we fight the enemy. We get the sword. I'm not, that's, that's powerful. But, but in this story, is something interesting happens. He places a trumpet and a torch in their hand. And, he, and, and it's, it's interesting. So number two thing that we have to do is this. First, we'll be alert. The second thing we have to do is this. We have to blow the trumpet. I mean, none of this stuff making sense to us. None of this stuff is, come, is, is, is naturally just lining up with what our natural flesh wants to do. Because here it is. This is what I want to do. When I get in that position to get in that place, man, I want to grab the sword and I want to go to town this way. And yet he's stopping all of those things and he's letting them know what they should do. And he's telling them this. He's telling them to blow the trumpet. And I'm going, man, what is this? How does this apply to me? How do we flip our house getting out blowing a trumpet? Took me to a prophecy in Joel chapter 2 and verse 1. It says this. He says, Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. Message Bible says this. He says, To blow the ram's horn trumpet in Zion. The trumpet, the alarm on my holy mountain. Shake the country up. God's judgment on its way. The day is almost here. Shake the country up. I mean, there's enough things shaking our country up. There's enough mess going on. There's enough terrorism. There's enough junk going on. There's enough of this small group rising up and looking like a minority or majority when they're just a minority. There's groups rising up. Listen, you know what they're doing? They're sounding an alarm about what they believe in. 
They're getting vocal about what they believe and have in their heart and believe in their mind to be true. He's speaking to us as God's people to do this. He's telling us to blow the trumpet of Zion. He's telling us to shake the nation up, to come together as men and women of God, to speak forth and proclaim and to make a sound and to blow this trumpet in Zion. And it's amazing. He goes on in verse 15 of Joel 2. He says this. He says, blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Now, it was, it was, it something happens when we assemble together, and something happens when we come together in this place, and we blow the trumpet, and we make the sound, and we shake the nation up, something begins to take place. And he's speaking to them, and he says this in verse 12 and 13 of Joel 2. He says, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Surrend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious, he's merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. There's a lot being said here that he's calling us to do this. He's calling men back. He's calling ladies of of, of God to come back. He's calling us to a place to where we begin to take that trumpet in our hand, blow that trumpet, make this sound. And he's telling them to do it this way. He's saying, rend your heart, not your garment. Listen, this is not an outward thing that we do. This is something on the inside of us we must do. This is a heart condition. This is something that we must go back to and we must come to that place. And so we recognize these things. And he says this in verse 17. He said, let the priest who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Listen, we're called to be ministers of the gospel. We're called to be, listen, uh, priests of our homes. We, I'm challenging the men to do so. And, and if you're in a single uh, situation, you're, you're a single parent, listen, if you're the one who has been placed in that position, you're called to be the priest of a home. You're called to lead this. And he tells them to do this. He says, let those priests minister to the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar. And again, it was um, one of those things. I'm like, man, does he really care about where we do it at? Yes, he does, because this is why this is so significant. They were called to minister there. They were called to come into that place because it's between the porch of the temple and the altar of burnt offerings where the front door of the holy place resided. It was in the presence of God. It was in the presence of God. It's where he was enthroned. And so we have to do this. We have to come to this place to where we're alert, where we blow the trumpet. Again, we make this sound. And, and I, why is this so significant? Because why is this so powerful? Because in the army, everybody didn't have a trumpet. You got to see why this is such a big deal. Everybody didn't have a trumpet. The army would surround them, and there would be someone who would take that shofar, that ram's horn, that trumpet, and he would blow that. And he would, they blew it for several reasons. Sometimes it would be a call to worship. Sometimes it would be a call that there's danger ahead, or it was a call to warfare. But you've got to see what is happening here. This enemy who thinks, again, that they're sitting there in this camp, and they have all these people. They have only 300. Again, it could have had 32,000. God don't need 32,000 that don't know him. He needs 300 to do. And so he has a group of men who come around him and every one of them have a trumpet in their hand. You've got to see the magnitude of this. They're used to hearing one or just a few in certain areas, but they had 300 sounding an alarm and blowing the trumpet. You know something I've started praying for in this church? I've never in the history of this church as pastor prayed for numbers in this church. I've prayed for souls. 
That's how I've prayed. I've prayed, I've prayed, God, if it is 500,000 or if it's 500, however many it is that you want us to have, God, you send them and we'll share Jesus with them. Has become my prayer. But God has begun to put this on my heart. I don't think it's going to stop there, but you know something? I've started praying, and you can help me pray. I've prayed for 300 men. I pray for 300 men. Not 300 seats to be filled. I'm praying for 300 men who will come together and, and, and will join together and blow a trumpet and sound the alarm, everyone. And the third thing we see this in the story today was this. They blew the trumpet, and they also raised the torch. Every one of them raised the torch. And you know what? This signifies so much in this. I believe it is, is showing, again, how important it is that we as men or leaders of our home do this, that we take the word of God. The word says this. It is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light in our path, and we share it in our home. We speak that truth, and we talk about it, and we share it with others. I believe he's also saying this. This is representative of the Holy Spirit. This is representative of the Holy Spirit. We saw in Acts 2, we studied in 29. We had a powerful time learning about that in Acts 2, but we saw this, Acts 2, verse 2. He said that suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Listen to this. This is huge. This is huge. If we begin to burn for God, others will stop us see. I was coming on 385 the other day, and I was heading home, and on the way down the highway, I was getting closer to the house, and all of a sudden, I saw this big smoke screen just completely covered the highway. I was like, man, I know exactly, man, there's smoke, there's fire. I just, I knew my old school kind of senses sort of going off back in the day as a firefighter. And I was just like, man, I started looking, you know, I was like, you know, what am I going to do? You know, you kind of get these things in your mind. And as I begin to drive and get closer, I watched something happen. I watched cars begin to just pull over to the side of the road because it was getting dangerous. I, I got a little bit closer, and right in front of the high school, guys, where it was at, right in front of Hillcrest, the, the grass was on fire, and it was burning, and, and it was just going on, and people, I saw them pulled over a stop, and they were on their phones, and they were calling. I began to think about how important that is. Listen to me. Every one of the people were just up and down that road doing their thing. Just driving up and down the road, doing life, going here and there. I had a long day. I was heading home. I was ready to get there. All this stuff, we just get involved with life. We get so consumed again with us, and we focus on our needs. And this is what happens. That fire begins to burn. And you know what it does? It causes people to stop. It causes people to pull over and to focus towards something else other than themselves. This is what we have to do. We have to raise a torch. We have to burn for him. We were singing, man, we are the burning ones today. We are the ones who are called to burn for him. And so we must do this as a church. We must do this as God's people. Be on alert. Be mindful. Stay focused on those things. We must come together. We must raise the torch. We must blow the trumpet in Zion. I want you to do this. I want you to stay with me, please, if you would. So, Father, I thank you right now, Lord, that you're here with us. I thank you, Lord, that you're here right now. God, you're concerned, Lord. We've sung it today, Lord, that you know us. You know us. You know when we've missed it. But God, your words your, that we've read today, God said, your mercies are great towards us, Lord. So God, we're thankful today and we're mindful today, Lord. We haven't been perfect. You have been. So God, we call on you now. We come to you now. And we ask you today, Holy Spirit, to speak to every heart.